Welcome to the first ever episode of Same But Different, brought to you by Stepping Stones NI, where we see everyone's potential. With me, Simon. And me, Megan. And together, we will be taking you with us on a 10-week journey of facts, stories, and reality surrounding our world this past year in relation to employment, our own barriers, and mental health. Megan and I are employment officers who work for Stepping Stones NI, and we're based in the Newry Morning Down area. And we work with people to try and get them into employment as well as trying to break down barriers and stereotypes. Those barriers include, but not limited to, ASD, disabilities, learning difficulties, and mental health, including depression and anxiety being the most common. We work with our clients on a one-to-one basis and offer a safe space, confidentiality, and a person-centered approach. So we hope you can stick around with us and join us on our same but different journey. So the reason why we decided to start this podcast, again, taking into account where we are with everything at the minute with COVID, with the pandemic worldwide, um, it's been quite difficult for people to get into work. And we really wanted a platform to try and help people find employment again, and also to highlight what we do here at Stepping Stones NI. Uh, as I said, my colleague and I, Megan, very passionate about this. And we know it's been difficult times for everybody. There's been a lot of unemployment in the UK and especially in Northern Ireland. A lot of people have been furloughed. I'm sure there's people um, very close um, to anyone listening out there who maybe lost their job, uh, have been affected. Everyone's been affected by this in some way. So we know it's been tough out there at the minute, especially without specialized support like an organization like us. You know, people might be low on confidence and um, very anxious about COVID and the pandemic, about looking for work and how that actually works. Maybe they just needed that, you know, extra bit of help and guidance. So that's why we thought, yeah, let's put this out there and see who we can reach. Been looking at some figures recently as well about unemployment in Northern Ireland at the minute. It's 3.7% of people are unemployed, which is a rise from previous years and a rise from last year as well. And I know Megan was looking at a few statistics there as well that link in with Yes. Yeah, I love a good statistic. So I was researching um, the some news stories online and I came across one from April and it was about the labour market statistics. So the rise in NI unemployment, there has been 5,780 redundancies recorded in the past 12 months. Now, again, that was from April of this year with 250 confirmed in March alone. So that status is, again, from the labour market. And the figures from Northern Ireland Statistics and Research Agency, NISRA, confirm that that is actually the highest annual figure recorded since 2001. So a total of 10,090 redundancies were proposed in the 12 months to the end of March. And that is a figure that has more than doubled the number recorded in this previous year. So that just sort of goes to show you what we have been like as an island this past 12 months and how our unemployment has been greatly affected. Well, that's it. It has. And like those statistics, like you said, Megan, really show how Northern Ireland's been affected. And I suppose like you know, statistics and figures are one thing, but if you actually look at how is that really affected, you know, people on the ground here, we're talking about local shops, we're talking about local businesses, 
um, that's really affected. The chains like Tesco's or the Asda's and the bigger ones like that, even some of them have taken hits, like Debenhams have, uh, has had to close down during all this. But I think mainly, Megan, do you think it's probably been more the local shops and local sectors that have been hit? Absolutely. Like even going down to your local towns, you'll see that it's not the likes of Tesco's and McDonald's that have had to close fully, shut their doors, shut their blinds and wait and weeks and weeks on announcements. It is your local boutiques. It is the wee family run businesses that I believe that I've seen with my own eyes, you know, have been affected. Um, I also know that there's more people um, down in Newcastle town where I would be from um, the food banks have been experiencing a higher demand since the pandemic started, a much greater demand than what they were dealing with. And that's around your local area, your local town. So it's, it's just a massive, it's a massive t- statistic, sorry, to like get into your head that this has actually happened in this last year. And yes, the bigger companies may have struggled in some ways, maybe not getting as much income. However, it is not those ones that would be the likelihood of shutting down for good. So just keeping that in mind. No, well, that's it. And I suppose the thing as well that we should say is now things are starting to look a little bit better, which is great. Uh, still not out of the woods for a lot of smaller businesses who maybe, like you said, have lost so much trade and income and business, even though they may be allowed to open up in the next few weeks. It's going to take you know time for people to feel confident and come out again, start spending the money, and hopefully we'll not be into another lockdown and things will continue to be positive. But you can see it in every time we've been in recently. Uh, I mean, I just live outside Balnehinch as well, and their smaller businesses haven't been able to been open. Um, some have been able to stay afloat and have been lucky, like, you know, maybe the cafes or the takeaways who've been able to offer that. But if you're a retail, you know, retail shop, if you do clothes or anything like that and haven't been able to adapt to it, well, yeah, it's been really, really tough for people. Uh, and um, just on another wee statistic here, Simon, that I've got and that I've found, um, and this is more so UK-based as well. So it's a wee quote of employment um, from Beyond Autism and they're a charity based in the UK. Now, obviously, Stepping Stones does um, have a need for a, to come onto the programme with a barrier, whether that be, as was sort of covered in our introduction, stress-related, mental health-related, um, but also those with ASD, learning difficulties, disabilities, um, will really, really, really benefit from this programme that we run. And... On that Beyond Autism site, there was a statistic with, um, so there's 700,000 people with autism in the UK. So that's more than one in 100. If you include their families, autism is a part of daily life for 2.8 million people. Now, what I find quite interesting, we know autism is a very broad disability it's it's very broad and you can have it in many different ways you could be high functioning or low functioning um but regarding to employment they've also wrote down um a statistic that 21.7 percent of adults with autism in the uk are the only ones in any form of paid employment and now taking it from 700,000 people with autism. That's an extremely low statistic. And 
in Northern Ireland, it is actually backed up by um, another employment charitable sector and they have the the percentage I think sitting at around 2021 20, so more or less the same sort of statistic but again extremely low for people with you know sort of barriers to employment and sort of makes you think like what's going on here like why has this happened why is the statistic so low well we're in the job where we're talking to people and employers and clients who have autism um, who are looking for work or who are maybe in work or have previously been at work why what you know what do you think practically speaking or experiences you've had Megan what do you think you know, has been you know the factor that why that is so low that percentage yeah. down at 22 percent well I generally do think as harsh as it might be to say it's it's stereotype it's very stereotypical to presume someone with autism you've seen someone with autism and you think maybe like whether it's a man or woman or boy or girl, they're all going to act the same. It's all, all going to affect you the exact same way. Um, and there is more people with more high-functioning autism than other people. Um, but I do think, you know, there's not enough information that employers really understand what autism is. And Setting Stones, we bring in that disability awareness training to employers when any one of our clients, whether regardless if they're doing placement or they've got a wee part-time job in there or a full-time job, they're always offered disability awareness training. And employers have said, you know, that was that is extremely helpful and understanding to them. What do you think, Simon? Do you want me on the right track here? I think you definitely are, again. From my experience, again, talking to employers, sometimes it's been a, a bit of hesitancy because either they've been afraid or don't really understand you know, the needs of some people with disabilities, if it's autism or if it's people suffering from mental health. And sometimes they're worried about, do I have to you know, make all these reasonable adjustments? Um, I don't know how to do it. What if I say the wrong thing? Or what if it all just you know, comes back on me? What do I do? And sometimes they are a wee bit hesitant. So that's, again, what you and I would do. And we do it all the time would speak with these employers and we would you know bridge that gap and give them those advice um of what you can do to help this particular person and whether we need to make small adjustments like even if it's trying to help somebody maybe who's dyslexia label things in a different way you know what you know that's a practical example or giving somebody maybe with autism if they have a, a you know can take a bit of a time out if things are getting a bit hectic for them or a bit stressful you know it's managing small things like that um on a day-to-day day basis with those employers and as you said there's stereotypes that come with barriers and disabilities that sometimes until you address them you know then people didn't don't actually realize well actually that's not the case um, and with the disability awareness training that you know does pull back the veil and allows people employers to actually say no this is very manageable and you're helping people as well you know you're giving people a chance who a lot of the time haven't been given the chance to get employment so uh, yeah, definitely 100%. That is what we're about is just trying to bridge that gap and be that, you know, go between the liaison to help people with any buyers and employers and just break down those stereotypes and make the employers feel more confident too, not just mm-hmm. the clients. Absolutely. Um, and that's where the disability awareness training really does come into focus when you understand how how well people with ASD or any sort of barrier can actually do with that little bit of support and in ways 
really does change their life when they're getting into that routine and getting paid work and feeling that you know independent and different things like that so it's definitely something to think about now obviously you know with the pandemic there has been redundancies made there has been people maybe out of work which has brought on maybe a mental health a bad mental health that they maybe never have experienced ever and they're maybe in a bit of a a sort of a slump you know and not really knowing what to do um one of my best advices if you're sitting there right now you've maybe had a wee barrier which could be as you know stress related could be postnatal depression it could be depression could be anything um you're sitting there without a job and just no energy or not knowing what the next steps are to take or how to arrange even looking for a job my advice to you would be to go straight and get in contact with your local jobs and benefits office and you know they they really did help me when I was in a similar situation when I had just come back from Glasgow and I had a three-month period where I didn't have any work and I was quite panicking Mm -hmm. and I went to the jobs and benefits office for some advice and help and they you know made sure that I was actively looking for that employment every week. I had to go in with them with a slip of paper and show them like what jobs I had applied for. So they were they were getting me going again in a bit of a routine base. Um, and because I stuck with that, I wasn't out of employment for long. However, we, Setting Stones now work alongside the JBO. So the Jobs and Benefits Offices, we actually work alongside them. Um, so they'll know of our service. They'll know if it's right for you. And I wish I had someone at that stage just that with that wee bit of extra support that Setting Stones does provide to you. It's the one-on-one, the person-centred approach. And it would have just been great to just get someone to check over my CV, fix it up if it needed it, um, chat to an employer before I sent my application form in, um, you know, interview prep, which is something I really struggled in. Um, but these are the services available in the jobs and benefits offices. Now you just have to ask for them. You just have to ask what's available. And I think that is a starting point if you're sitting here today and just really have no idea how to like find work. You've been maybe redundant just from the start of the pandemic. You've done nothing else but retail. Get in contact. Get in contact with them. They will get you in contact with us and we can sort something out. And you can also contact us directly at Stepping Stones. Um we know we do have a good close relationship with the jobs and benefits offices, but we also have, um, you know, a team you can contact. And if you want to chat to one of our staff about stepping stones, whether it is trying to get your CV updated, maybe you've never done one before, or you have, and it's been a while and just want to get that updated and how to do it again. I mean, we meet with our clients on a weekly basis and, you know, search for jobs together. We apply, we help with application forms, give you that support when it comes time for interviews as well. Uh, we also offer accredited and non-credited training to suit your individual needs. So it, it could range from anything to trying to deal with stress and anxiety for mental health first aid or more practical like manual handling as well. So there really is quite a variety of things we do there. It really just depends what you need. But yes, please feel free to contact Stepping Stones NI as well. And we will put you in touch with the right people. Either follow us on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there. And as well, you can uh, email directly at Carla dot boyer 
at stepping-stones.org.uk and that's spelled C-A-R-L-A for Carla and Boyer is B-O-W-Y-E-R. She is the go-to lady if you want to get in touch with us and she'll then pass you on to appropriate member staff and you can get into contact with one of us directly. And one of us will give you a call and get an idea of what you want to do and what we could help you with on the service as well. Yes, and please, please, please don't be afraid to contact us. We're a very friendly, lovely bunch of people, may I say so myself. So Yes, we are. Um, Why don't we talk, Megan, about what has happened over the past year and a bit in terms of how life has changed for people, how employment has changed from people, you know, like working from home and really how that's affected everybody. You know, what, you know, why don't you give me a breakdown of what it's been like for you, the change in the past year and a bit since COVID hit everyone in the UK then? Yeah, okay. So um, March COVID hit and we were told that we could work from home. Bearing in mind, we had been dealing with a lot of paperwork. So we had paper folders. All our clients were in paper folders. Everything we've done with them in their journey so far, backed up with paper folders, a little bit on like, are we online? A little bit online, but mostly, you know, everything was pen to paper. We had to adapt to coming out of our offices with just our laptops and our, our work phones to trying to build up uh, all the work we have done on the folders and put them all online. Um, and I think that was an extremely quite stressful first few months at us knowing we were transferring absolutely everything over to online. Um, and I didn't really realize how bad I was on the computer until we had to do all this extra stuff. So adapting to that, it was quite tricky and frustrating at times. I mean, Simon, like you probably know all of them, like I've been extremely sometimes frustrated and I've had to rant and how do you do this and how do you do that? But we got there in the end and now, you know, we've been a year in. So it's not a choice of could we adapt? It was we had to adapt because there was nothing else you could do. You had to stay in your homes. You had to respect, you know, the rules and the guidelines by the government. And you just had to do your best. And for me, it was a wee bit stressful, yes, at the start. But I, right now, in this position, in this month, I am completely adapted to it. Um, I have got my motivation back. I We've you know met all our targets we've you know reached our goals that we wanted to reach for this year in Yuri Mordenthine and so it's all been actually quite positive for us what do you think Simon? Definitely like you said we had to adapt okay we had to just change our skill sets up trying to get more tech savvy I'm like a caveman when it comes to all the tech so that was fun I'm like renowned amongst my friends for being the least tech savvy person. So that was always good trying to um, adapt with more online and the Zoom and become masters of the online calls. You look like a caveman as well. I have got, I've got the uh, Captain Caveman long hair lockdown look going on as well. Thanks for the compliments as always, Megan. Um, But yeah, but like not, not just that, it was, it was hard just trying to adapt to, okay, now I'm just a moan. I might have a workplace um, if my wife was at home, that was grand. It was fine. You know, there's only two of us. There are other people living in bigger houses like you, Megan, with a bigger family. You know, oh, tell, yes. me a, tell me a bit about that. How was that at the start, trying to get used to that? 
That was absolutely crazy. Do you know what? That was, I actually completely forgot about that because I literally, you know, I'm now out of my own house. But uh, yes, at the start of the pandemic from March right through to the October, I was in a household with, um, you know, my sister who was was also working from home, who was doing Zoom calls. My other sister, you know, doing the exact same thing. you know, you had my dad coming in and out of the house. He's a farmer. Um, and then you had, you know, mommy coming in with, you know, the groceries and different things like that. You had to literally, and then you had two of my wee brothers that were still in school, but then were taken out because of COVID. So you had a full household and we had to literally book out the living room. It was a bit crazy. People in and out oh my goodness yeah I completely forgot about that because now I'm in a nice sweet peaceful house I don't you know I've got my own privacy with all my rooms I can choose if I want to sit in the kitchen or the living room today just all depends you know I've got the life of luxury now you're a lady of luxury why not yes Mm -hmm. well that's it it's been different for everybody and as well just you mentioned that I remember during the middle of the lockdown when all this was happening our cat we have a wee rescue cat we got had to have a really sort of major operation um, on her on her ear, get her inner ear removed, things like that. And all that, when we were worrying, okay, well, how are we going to get this done with COVID and everything? Uh, what if we need to go back in again? You know, and that was like, I was sleeping down in the living room for four or five days with this pr- uh, post-surgery cat wandering in between us, um, not knowing what was going on and, you know, quite sickly and, and recovering. So, you know, there's, I'm sure people, there's been, you know, a lot worse for other people who've maybe been isolated on their own as well. You know, we've been lucky we'll have family and members like that, or maybe you have a bit of space. You could have went out, you know, and gone for your walks and um, gone, doing, done your exercise. Maybe people living in the city didn't have that option, you know, just as much um, with restrictions as well. So I think, you know, probably I've been quite lucky and luckily I haven't uh, been hit too badly. But yeah, now we're at the point where we've adapted we're now pros working from home. Um, I quite enjoy working from home now. It's fine, but we're looking forward to getting back out and meeting people again. Um, um, I did see, you know, just when you're on that sort of subject of people being isolated, like obviously um, that would really affect your, your mental and physical health. And sometimes, you know, there has been, well, I've got a survey, another statistic here, Simon. So and um, it's just been a survey done, which reveals mental and physical health impacts of working from home during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm just going to read out a couple of statements, which I find quite interesting. There is quite okay. a lot. Um, so first one overall, more people felt working from home was better for their health and well-being. That's 45% compared to around one third, 29% who thought working from home was worse for their health and well-being. And as you says, how it could be worse would be the isolation that you've just talked about. Yeah, definitely. Um, but as you said, then there's that other percentage would think maybe the work-life balance has actually improved a bit. Uh you know, p- people have been able to work from home when they, ha- when they can, that maybe the same rush, the same stress has just haven't been there. So it's just... And then they're, you know, they're, they're you know, especially for mums are spending more time with kids, you know, they're in the house with their children and that could improve your health and wellbeing. There's no travel commute anymore. So you're not wasting 
from, you know, 40, 40 minutes traveling up to Belfast, 40 minutes traveling back, if it's a good day in, in the traffic, you're actually just closing over your work laptop on your time and you're spending that instant back with your children or your husband or whoever's in your family, your family and friends. You know, you're seeing them over Zoom. You've a lot more time to maybe because you've not got a thousand million meetings to go to and everybody seemed to before COVID never have a minute. Now everything's slowed right down, okay? So you've got no meetings, really, because nothing's been opened. You've got no appointments, no dog groomers, no hairdressers to go to, no nails to get done. We should actually sit down and actually have a, a Zoom call with your friends and make more time for the important people in your life, which you people may not have had time to before. I suppose, for like, just you mentioned about people being able to spend more time maybe with their kids. I know a lot of people who maybe have spent too many uh, hours with their kids at home and have had to do homeschool. They've had to sort out domestics. I mean, my sister has three kids, my cousin has three kids, um, and some of her colleagues that we've talked to have sort of been trying to juggle everything. And I'm sure at times they've felt, I would quite happily go back into the office for a few days to be able you know, to tag out. I know, so it's a flip side. There's a flip side to every coin though, isn't there? Isn't yeah, there? there probably is no even happy medium in that. Um, no. Um, here's another refund statistic I find that over one in four, that's 26%, are working from home from either their sofa or their bedroom. Mm. <gasps> mm. What are you, Simon? Are you the sofa or the bedroom guy? So whenever I first started working from home, I have to admit that some days I was up in my bed and... <laughs> I was zooming from my bed and people might've caught on a quiz. Luckily my bed has a bookshelf for a headboard. So I kind of got away with it sometimes, but I think some people caught on and were like, are you in your bedroom? Are you in your bed? So I started then going to the sofa, which wasn't good either because I mean, just from a practical point of view, like, okay, there's You're the TV. There, well, number one, there's the TV. So there's the threat of Netflix being put on in the background. So, and your back. Yeah. Like you said, like your back really sore. Um, so I had to convert one of the spare rooms into like a little home office, which is still a work in progress. So that's where I started off. What about you? Were you a bed or a sofa person or did you, were you good no. and sensible from the start? Oh, good and sensible from the start. No, like I said, we had to book out the living room. So um, at our family house, so at the start it was quite tough. And what really, really got me was sitting not in a computer chair but on a, a sofa mm. really comfy at the start yes it was a recliner feet up laptop on my um, knee and mobile phone beside me no that's not a long term that was really <laughs> that was really bad but my wonderful um manager at seven stones gave me down a computer chair and that improved my back situation dramatically so i was very 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 happy with that that's not too bad. That's all right. What what other stats the stat queen can you bring up to tell us? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one more, okay. But I think see, I think we've covered a lot. Um, there's a statistic here on people who live with multiple housemates are more likely to think that working from home was worse for their mental health compared to who live on their own. And we've sort of just covered that with like families, large families. Okay. Um home working is having an impact on people's mental health with 67% saying they felt less connected to their colleagues and 56 saying they find it harder to switch off from work. However, only a third of respondents have been offered support with their mental health, 34% from their employers. 
Um, that is a very interesting one because I can understand how those 67% do feel less connected. I mean, you're on your own. Like the only really reasonable contact we have is one weekly team meetings that probably last about half an hour with all our colleagues. Um, but then for the likes of me and you, we'd be on quite regularly asking each other, you know, questions in and out of Zoom, having our own Zooms and, you know, like that. So... Well, that's it. It depends. Every workplace is different. So I'm sure there's people who, you know, maybe the, the team is quite close knit and they stay in regular contact like we do. There's maybe other ones who just maybe the nature of the business who just miss having other people there, you know, with like the physical workspace who do feel a bit more isolated. Um, it really just depends on where you work, I suppose, and what way the business, what type of business it is as well. Ours is a very people centered one. So we're always in contact, but I can understand why maybe people were more isolated in the beginning. Yeah, and I think that um, their employer, with only 34%, you know, of employers saying that they actually get help from whatever company they work for and help from their mental health, that, you know, that should that's a figure that should definitely be improved, um, especially if you're working from home and it's been a new thing. Um, there should be guidelines set out by your organisation to say, look, you know, we have Simon the Take Five approach, which is great for our mental health. Um, and our organization has multiple things that help us with our mental health and um, free trainings that we could go on and different things like that. So um, if you are in that situation, it would be a great idea just to discuss with your um, manager or boss things that you can do to improve your and um, get supported by them physically and mentally at that time. So that pretty much finishes up our first episode of Seeing But Different. Next time, we're going to look at the dreaded interview questions in our episode called Tell Me About Yourself. As we know, interviews can be an absolute nightmare. They can cause a lot of anxiety. So we're going to look at ways where we can counteract that, look at things like body language, the best things to do for interviews and how to prepare for it. And obviously some embarrassing stories from myself and Simon on previous interviews we've been to along the way. So get in contact with us. You can um, text our work number, um, our podcast number on 077-326-02527. That is 077-326-02527. Or you can email us at carla.boyer at stepping-stones.org.uk and that's C-A-R-L-A dot B-O-W-Y-E-R at stepping-stones.org.uk or again, contact us, reach out on Facebook or Twitter and we'd love to hear from you. That really rounds up our first episode then, Megan. Yes, thanks folks for joining and once again, we are Stepping Stones and I, I'm Megan. And I'm Simon and we'll we'll see see you next time. time. Bye. Bye.